Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 27 through 29, about a faith that's not afraid. Hebrews 11 is where we are tonight. We're looking at the last part of the story of Moses, a faith that's not afraid. Hebrews 11, and we're going to pick it up in verse 27. Once you've got it, would you stand with us if you're able for the reading of these few verses? Hebrews 11, a faith that's not afraid, beginning in verse 27. By faith... Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, 1127, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. By faith, Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, we're drowned. And all God's people said, amen. You can have a seat. Father, thank you for your living word. And thank you for the, uh, re- the recounting of these great faith stories in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And they were really intended to encourage a church that was really feeling the pressure of the culture and even the religious pressure of um, going back to the temple and the sacrifices and all those things. And Lord, there, there are many things that we face in temptations in our time, and many times they are to go back to our old ways, whatever they may be. So I pray that tonight we would see the story of Moses, maybe with some fresh eyes tonight, and, and realize that each great uh, character in, in Scripture that was used in any way by God had their share of temptations and their uh, obstacles that they had to overcome by faith. That's really what we're studying, the great hall of faith. And so we would pray tonight that you would increase our faith. And whatever we are facing tonight, we'd find encouragement as we look afresh at the story of Moses and how it would apply to the readers of this original letter and then what it would say to us tonight. So we lay the time at your feet and we pray that you would bless it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we've learned some things about Moses that we marked in the first Uh, portion of the study of his life. If you go back to verse 24, it says, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Moses, notice in 25, chose rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. He considered, 1126, the reproach of Christ, and it's interesting that Christ is mentioned in the life of Moses, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. If you look back at verse 23, the very first verse about Moses, it talks about Moses' parents. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And then you uh, link that with Moses' own faith, he did not fear the wrath of the king. That's 27. So you could maybe just draw a little arrow from 23 
to 27. Moses uh, followed his parents' lead, if you will, in not being afraid of the Pharaoh's edict. And fear can be something that possibly, and I'm no expert in this area, but we can inherit in some ways either the courage of those who speak into our lives and lead us, or sometimes we can inherit some fearful tendencies of those who shape our lives. And none of us are immune to the, um, the way that other people who are important in our lives respond to life. So maybe you grew up with a very steady you know, leader in your life, or two or three, and maybe they taught you how to be steady and some of us are pretty good at being steady on the outside, and we might be churning on the inside. So, you know, it's not always easy to tell. But um, maybe you grew up in an atmosphere where everything was drama and everything was immediately, you know, an episode. And maybe for you, it's somewhere in between. But Moses' parents kind of set the bar, if you will, for not being fearful. They were brave for their son. And I would just say to those of you who are parents tonight or grandparents, thinking about bravery is not just about you. How you respond to situations and challenges and difficulties will set the tone or set the bar for the generations to follow, and especially those that you have direct influence over. Now, none of us can predict about how we're going to respond to every situation, but I would just say this. If your eyes are on the Lord, you're going to respond better than if your eyes are on the circumstances. Amen? And so Moses' parents, setting the bar, they were brave for their child. And we studied that last time, and we know what Mama did, and she put him in that little tender basket and put him on the Nile, and we know what God did. And when Moses grew up, and remember that Yoshebet had a chance to speak into Moses' life because she would have nursed him until he was three or four years old. And, uh, you know, if you're around little kids, uh, little kids, man, they can pick up a lot. Once they start talking, it's pretty much over. <laughs> but, but they pick up a lot of information. And a kid is largely shaped. What do the experts say? By the time they're about five years old, I think, uh, you know, kind of like a lot of their personality and, and so forth has already been shaped. So it's just interesting to think about Moses and, and the influence of his parents. And then you can see in verse 24 that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He may have had the path directly to the throne of Egypt. He chose instead to endure, that's a key word tonight, to endure ill treatment with the people of God, not because he had a martyr's complex, but because he knew that the pleasures of Egypt were passing, indeed passing away, and he considered the reproach of Christ to be of more value, greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. And here's the key, because Moses, was, Moses had a long-term view of things. And whenever you have a short-term view of things, that's usually when you fall on your face, when you give in to temptation, because you're just thinking about the moment instead of the long-term Effects. What is this going to do? Here, here's something that I learned a long time ago. I've communicated it before, but I'll say it again because some of you have not heard this before. Whenever you're standing at the beginning of Temptation Highway, you should look down the road to see where this might lead you. In other words, if you can stop yourself long enough to say, if I do this, if I step down this path, 
What is the end going to look like? What will, what will the ultimate result be if I go this way? And if you can't anticipate the end before you take a step, you're walking in wisdom. You, you're having a more of a long-term view. And of course, uh, Moses indeed did have that. And had Moses um, elevated to the throne of Egypt, we know that he would have been swallowed up in God's judgment. So by faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. This is the beginning of our study tonight. For he endured as seeing him who is unseen. Now this is part two of a faith that's not afraid. And here is Moses now, not fearing the wrath of the king. You may remember that when Moses killed the Egyptian, when he saw the Egyptian abusing one of the Hebrews, and he intervened and he killed the Egyptian and he buried the body. When the word got to the Pharaoh that Moses had killed an Egyptian, the Pharaoh put a contract on Moses' life, and Moses was fearful, and he fled to Midian. So many Bible commentators believe that what we just read in verse 27 is not the um, flight to Midian, because in that case, Moses was afraid but rather when Moses took the people of Israel out of Egypt in the Exodus. So that's just something for you to maybe jot down, and I think you'll see how this flows in a moment. So most likely, verse 27 is dealing with the actual Exodus out of Egypt. And why would it say that Moses didn't fear the wrath of the king or the Pharaoh? Well, think of how many times the Pharaoh had to be upset when each of the plagues came down, right? Moses said, let my people go. The Pharaoh said, oh no, I won't let the people go. Moses said, you better let them go. Otherwise, here's what's going to happen, right? And of course, we know that with each plague, the Lord was kind of pounding on the Pharaoh and Egypt was reeling and it got worse and worse and worse and worse. But when Moses first went to the Pharaoh, Pharaoh bid the people to make bricks without straw And the people said to Moses, basically, you've made us odious in the sight of the Pharaoh. Now our work's going to be doubly hard. Some deliverer are you. Now I bring this out because you can see that it says Moses didn't fear the wrath of the Pharaoh or the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. What did Moses have to endure in the Exodus. Well, when God called Moses at the burning bush, Moses had some excuses, right? I'm not good at talking. I'm not sure I'm the guy. And and he kept coming up with excuses and the Lord obviously overcame those. But I think Moses may have had an idea of what he was signing up for because the endurance that Moses had to show pretty much had to do when he was leading the people through the wilderness. Now, first of all, he didn't fear the wrath of the Pharaoh. Ultimately, the Pharaoh was dealt with, and we'll talk about the Red Sea in a moment. But then Moses had to shepherd more than a million people. And I will tell you, they were a stubborn bunch. In fact, there are There's at least one occasion I can remember where Moses says, the people are about to stone me with stones. They were very difficult. Moses often had to intercede for them. In fact, we've done recent studies where Moses says, if if you won't forgive them, then blot me out of your book. And he becomes quite the mediator, doesn't he? But he had to endure a whole lot. 
Moses's faith produced endurance. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. Welcome to Walk in Truth. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son. And access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. That's how I showed my anger. Not in words, but in you can't have me. Mm -hmm. And that obviously took a toll in our relationship. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. They were very difficult. Moses often had to intercede for them. In fact, we've done recent studies where Moses says, if, if you won't forgive them, then blot me out of your book. And he becomes quite the mediator, doesn't he? But he had to endure a whole lot. Moses' faith produced endurance, exactly what the writer of Hebrews said they needed in 1036. If you look back for a moment, he says to them, it's endurance that you need. Take a peek at the verse. For you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. Moses endured as seeing him who is unseen, and we've seen a definition of faith in this way. Look at 11.1 of Hebrews. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And if you read verse 13, Hebrews 11, all these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance. In other words, they didn't have the fullness of the promises, but they took the long view of faith. And that's what Moses did as well. So when the Pharaoh was probably pounding his desk, you're not going to get away with this. I'm not going to let them go. I don't know who your God is and I don't fear your God. And, and this was the, the number one ruler on the planet. Moses didn't fear. He trusted God. And he endured, and I think the endurance that Moses showed walks itself out to the actual exodus itself. He endured as seeing him who is unseen. Let me just say to you that just about everything that you face in this life as it relates to your walk with Jesus Christ can be solved if you fix your eyes on Jesus. Amen? You got problems with people? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You got fears that seem overwhelming? Fix your eyes on Jesus. This is why worship is so important because worship essentially causes you to do what? To fix your eyes on Jesus. Worship is an act by which you move your eyes away from everything else and you refocus on the author and perfecter of your faith. Amen? Amen. 
That's why the enemy loves to keep you from worship, to keep you from your Bible, because each time you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, your faith is strengthened and you're not overwhelmed by all the things of the world. How did Moses remain so steadfast, immovable? Well, he was fixing his eyes on him who is unseen. And that's a challenge, isn't it? Because since God is unseen to us, we have to walk by faith. We haven't seen him, but we love him. Now, Moses had some incredible moments with God, right? He experienced the Shekinah of God. He got about as close as a man could get, at least in the Old Testament context. And yet, Moses still had to walk by faith and not by sight. And so it was a huge, uh, you could say, expedition of faith from the beginning to the end. And James, uh, if you turn over to James chapter five, which is the next book to your right, James comments on this idea of endurance, which is really all over our Bible. And whether Moses was dealing with uh, the fear of Egypt's wrath or the difficulty of shepherding over a million people, James five, nine through 11 reads this way. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, 5.9 of James, that you yourselves may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing right at the door. As an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Think of Moses, but you can think of others. Behold, we count those blessed who endured. You have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful, back to Hebrews. So the listener, the reader of Hebrews 11 might ask, how did Moses do it? (laughs) It's one thing to see a phrase, he uh, operated in faith as seeing him who is unseen. And that sounds good, doesn't it? And I could quote that to my friends. Moses, you know, saw him who is unseen. What in the world does that mean? What does that mean to me in my life right now when everything I see in front of me is chaotic or confusing or whatever it may be? How do I have the eyes of faith? How do I do what Moses did? You might say, how did Moses do that? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord maker of heaven and earth. If you look at Hebrews 12 too, a message ahead of us, how do we run the race with endurance? End of verse 1, 12 two says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's how we do it. He's the author and perfecter of faith. This is how we keep running. In the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat was facing a, a huge uh, army that was coming at him and uh, this is the prayer from 2 Chronicles 12 through 12 through 15. Just listen to it. I think it's familiar. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? He's talking about the armies coming after him. For we are powerless before this great multitude who are coming against us. Nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's 2 Chronicles 20, verse 12. And all Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, and their children, Then in the midst of the assembly, the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and he's related to a bunch of other guys. And he said, listen, all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, 
Do not fear or be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours. The battle is what? It's God's. See, when Jehoshaphat was overwhelmed, he prayed to the Lord, and he said, Lord, and he, and he started quoting promises to God in Second Chronicles 20. If you go back and read it later, you'll see what he says. Didn't you do this? Didn't you do that? Aren't you the God who did this and that? And he prayed to the Lord, and then the Lord anointed a, a prophet. The Holy Spirit came and spoke a word, and God basically responded to the prayer and said, you're right, you've prayed to me, I'm going to deal with them. The battle's not yours. The battle is the Lord's. This is Psalm 34, 1 through 5. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me, delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Psalm 34, one through five. Whenever you see a person in the Bible, seek the Lord, look to the Lord, turn their eyes toward the Lord, all of these are acts of faith. And when we don't do that, they are acts of the flesh, right? I got this, I'll take care of it, or I'll look to this, 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 and this, for my answers, and then maybe I'll pray, or then maybe I'll turn my eyes to the Lord. And that's not the right order. First we go to the Lord, right? And so Moses operated as seeing him who is unseen. Can I ask you, how are you doing with that? You've been listening to A Faith That's Not Afraid, part four on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 27 through 29. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel, or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, at the end of this sermon, we asked a question that is a penetrating one. Have you been going to the Lord with an issue before going to whatever the other normal doors you push on, ABC, XYZ? And and maybe you would say, you're a pastor, and I've heard you say you've been walking with the Lord for over 30 years. How do I learn to go to the Lord first? You know, how has this been for you? Was it easy right at the beginning? Has it become easier over time? You know, seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, going to him first is probably not our default position as humans. Let's face it, we... We tend to look to our own resources first. Maybe maybe you uh, are doing better than others, but there is a tendency in us, first and foremost, to probably rely on the flesh, if we're going to be honest. But the one thing that we can know is that when something is bigger than us, when we're facing an obstacle that looks impossible to pass or overcome, it does drive us to our Lord. And Perhaps that's why he puts us in situations where we're going to be tested 
so we have to rely on him. But I would say this too, on a practical level, yes, I have learned over time. I'm trying to go to the Lord first thing in the morning when I wake up, trying to go to my Bible before I go to my phone. Um, yeah, we all, we all have the same struggles. And I think just the basic 101 of the Christian life, well, it is something you learn. It's like a lot of things in life. Maybe you're trying to change your diet and your first inclination would be to go buy a burrito, but you're trying to learn to eat a salad or an apple. Well, what do you have to do? You have to kind of force yourself at first, right? And then it becomes a habit, a pattern. And then you find a real beauty in eating healthy because you feel better. I think spiritually speaking, the, uh, the path is much the same. Hey, just to let you know, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Our hope is to broadcast this program on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Our ministry has grown a lot over the years, and it's thanks to our church and our listeners that have become our financial partners. Our producer, Rob Newton, went to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California recently to update the congregation on the state of Walk in Truth. He talked about where we are, what's new, where we'd like to go, and how you can help. If you'd like to listen to Rob Newton and Pastor Michael's short presentation, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. It's also on walkintruth.com. We've entitled it The State of Walk in Truth. And again, you'll find it on the Walk in Truth podcast on your favorite podcast app. And join us tomorrow for part five of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 27 through 29, about a faith that's not afraid. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. people.